You know, I actually haven't watched a ton of Western movies. Oh. Yeah. Really? I mean, I enjoy them. As but a I, genre? Yeah. I didn't really grow up watching Westerns, you know? Yeah. Um, it's because you didn't have our grandpa. That's very true. Our grandpa. I've heard stories of your grandpa. <laughs> Man, I don't know how many Westerns he owned on yeah. VHS. It was like before DVDs were even around. Yeah. It was just yeah. Like, and every time I watch one, I enjoy it. I just, I didn't grow up with them. So, yeah, you know, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm gener- generally speaking, I'm, I'm kind of discovering that genre. And I, I of course, I'm a big fan of John Ford and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, his work. But um, yeah, I'm kind of, this was a new one for me. John Wayne. John Wayne. <laughs> one of my favorite one of my favorite yeah. uh John Ford movies and it's totally out of and John Wayne movies totally out of uh character with uh, his other ones but is The Quiet Man. Oh yeah. yeah. Uh, I love movie. that movie mm-hmm. but it's it's very different. It's definitely not a western. You support beating wives? Is that what you're saying? Uh, no. I don't. <laughs> no, I saw that movie and I thought, "Oh my gosh, I can't believe they're putting this on screen." It like drags know, her through the house or something. Yeah, there was yeah. times were different back times then. Times were different. The moral of the story. The podcast where a writer, a philosopher, and a filmmaker explore the stories that make us and the morality that makes the story. Well, this movie is one of the great westerns, The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance, which is... They had such long names for western movies. I know. It's like The Good, did, The Bad, and The Ugly. They? The Man Who you know, Shot Liberty Valance. They're, yeah. they're so long. Well, And the, yeah. kind of the best thing about this movie is that it stars both John Wayne and Jimmy Stewart, who were like the two icons of the era. Yeah. Like you, Other than Gary Cooper, I think there really were... There really was no one else that were was quite the iconic stature of those two men. Right. And they hardly ever appeared in movies together. Well, I think Jimmy Stewart in a lot of other they westerns. Did. He didn't really Did he do oh, a ton of Jimmy westerns? Jimmy Stewart did westerns. Did he? Yeah, okay. he did Winchester okay. 78. I, I, I don't Shenandoah. You don't really think sort of, him as of a western, western act, I guess. Actor. Shenandoah is kind of a drama, but it's yeah. a period drama. Right. Oh um, no. But oh, uh, Jimmy Stewart also did The Naked Spur, which if you want like a psychological Fre- almost Freudian mm. like revenge tale with Jimmy Stewart as a bad guy who becomes a good guy. That That's a good Western too. Yeah, he, we're, yeah, we're taking it back to classic movies in this one. This is, uh, well, really the first Western we've we've talked about. But, it is, yeah. Uh, it's another classic. Uh, 1962 this was made, I believe. Yeah. Um, I looked it up. So, um, yeah, we're, we're taking it back with a, a classic movie here. And just so you know, our sponsor for this particular podcast is audible.com. And our recommendation this week is is a great Western story by Zane Gray, uh, the writers of the Purple Sage, which is another great Western story. So you so, can get that for free on Audible. Follow the link in the show description, and we'll tell you more about that towards the end. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Great opportunity. Yeah, so who did shoot Liberty Valance? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the question, isn't it? You know, No, no, it's the answer. It is, yeah, it is answer. <laughs> you're tra- you're right. Ooh. <laughs> Who, who did? Well, no, it's it's fun, so funny. So I I I got on a John, John Ford kick uh, yeah. several months ago and um, got I bought The Quiet Man, Stagecoach, because these are movies that you used to you would used to kind of catch them on like Turner Classic Movies. Or yep, something, right. Back when cable existed, or at your grandparents. Yeah, my yeah. grandparents or something. And I thought you know I really would like to have those movies, and so um, I got some of those. I got. The man who shot Liberty Valance. Yeah. Um, and I played it, and some people probably criticize this, but I let my kids watch it, who were, at the time were Alex. Like <laughs> six, five, six, four, and two? 
<laughs> they saw gun smoke and then an Indian go, ah! And right. <laughs> That's like all the violence. It's really in not. It's not really yeah, that violent. Really the violent. subject matter is more. Yeah. And the little the beat up scene that's a little bit I think I had to not watch that yeah. but anyway it's it's interesting how but how powerful the story is my now five year old she still says this is her favorite movie the man who shot Liberty <laughs> yeah Valance? really she's been asking me for weeks to watch it again wow over Frozen <laughs> I think so yeah yeah that's it's the cure for Frozen oh it's, gotcha uh, you remember yeah, watch the man true. who shot Liberty Valance <laughs> yeah. um, no but it's it's so interesting to me because there's a um, there's an element of these movies or this, the kind of genre, this early, you know, like, I mean, obviously John Ford had a long period of, of active filmmaking, but the type of stories he told are this sort right. of classic um, genre piece. And there's actually a real kind of relishing the stereotype aspect yeah. of mm-hmm. these stories. Certain characters like the newsman yeah, or, um, I mean, Liberty Valance himself you yeah. know, would be one, but there are these like iconic roles, and mm-hmm. I know just from remembering, almost a little exaggerated. They're mm-hmm. they're almost yeah. cartoony, yeah, yeah. They're like they're very very like bold relief, right? But I remember even from my my granddad, like he loved those characters. He loved watching stories with those characters in them. Yeah, and really, we do the same exact thing, except our genres are just like superhero movies. Mm-hmm. I, I was mentioning this. Uh, earlier before we were recording that Robert Downey Jr. is Iron Man or they are just as much a quote character mm-hmm. as John Wayne in a cowboy hat. A car- yeah, it's, caricature. Yeah, well, and and at, at the best example, they aren't caricatures, right? They become characters that are beloved right. and you watch them again and again and again because mm-hmm. you love that character. At, at the worst, they do become caricatures. Yeah. But that larger-than-life quality that where it's not about really watching a real person, so to speak. You're watching a larger-than-life person deal with a larger-than-life problem because you don't want to live in the humdrum world that you inhabit normally. That's kind of true. But, like, when I think about my granddad, I think that's sort of... Well, yeah. That is something that's a really interesting thing because I, I would suggest there's something like far, far lower mm-hmm. in watching a ton of Marvel movies mm-hmm. than there was in what like my granddad got or our granddad got out of watching John Wayne. Now, obviously, John Wayne is yeah. not portraying, quote, a real person. Now, mm-hmm. Now, disclaimer, my brother Benjamin and I, both have degrees in English, right? So when you start talking about real characters, real people, <laughs> there's a whole lot of things that go into that. But as far as like, oh, is it a Henry James, you know, like psychologically real, per- three-dimensional person? Well, well, no, but all people aren't really that complicated. True. You know, like we, we have a preconceived idea of what a real character is. Yeah. And mm-hmm. there's an element of asking what are stories supposed to do to us? Mm-hmm. What do we get out of stories? Because, yeah, do, are there con- there's conflict and uh, complexity mm-hmm. in the characters of this film um, and all of John Ford's work. But what do we get watching the film? Because yeah. there's a way in which, like speaking about Grandpa Riley. He saw that, and he did things in real life more heroic 
or as mm. heroic as anything John Wayne portrays. Right. For so, those of you who uh, don't know much about our grandpa, he literally helped the FBI like track down <laughs> uh, bootleggers and prostitute pimps and a whole range of yeah. very low lifes in Oklahoma and the surrounding areas in the 70s. So he was... Um, he was, and he was kind a, of a John Wayne figure. Himself. He was a, I mean, obviously a very unusual person. I mean, mm-hmm. he, he, not everybody around does those things and does the things he did. But I think yeah. about it, and I think, well, stories are there to teach us what to aspire to. Yeah, I think that probably what well, is that's not what they're there for, but that's right, one of the things they can do, right? And I, I hear what you're saying. I think that. There's a distinction. I think back in the day, like in the times that westerns were being made or or these uh, those stories were being told, um, it wasn't that people were not psychologically real. Instead, what their value system was, was assumed. Mm-hmm. So you have uh, villains who have decided to be sold to not be part of the value system mm-hmm. of the main characters. And you have heroes who don't question why they're doing what they're doing, right? You just have people who are driven by a decision that they've made already before the cameras started rolling. Yeah. And quote the modern day psychologically real Daniel Day-Lewis type character, which is what's so celebrated now in storytelling, is constantly questioning what to do. It's kind of like Hamlet. You know, you, you're stuck in this stasis where you're not sure which value system you're going to choose, you know, right. how you're going you're to tortured, wrestle. A tortured you're, you're soul. You're tortured. And in some ways, that's less interesting than just telling a good story where people know what their value system is and what they're going to do and they why they They know what they it. believe. They know what they believe and right. they act on it. Well, even as, like, the two main characters, John Wayne and Jimmy Stewart, represent two drastically different ideals. Well, let's jump into that. Because yeah. that's, like, the big moral uh-huh. kind of question of the story. So I guess real quick for anyone who hasn't seen it, which if you haven't, you shouldn't be listening, but <laughs> if you have not, we're about to tell you a quick premise, which man shot Lily. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it's basically the story of this. Uh, where was he from? I, I never picked that up. St. Louis or is he going to St. No, he came from Jimmy Stewart comes from the big city. Which yeah. I think comes was somewhere. Louis. He, and, he and he mentions going home, going Kansas, right? Right. Well, and he, it's he makes a, a reference territory. to like go home North. So he's he's somewhere from a big city up north. Uh-huh. He's a lawyer, and he's coming to this very small western town to basically set up shop, I guess, as a lawyer. Um, was that mm-hmm. essentially I why? I believe he was, so. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. And and the movie basically opens with him getting uh, robbed and beaten to a pulp by this uh, basically bandit, the, yeah. bandit, the villain of the movie, uh, Liberty Valance. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's basically. This the the whole movie is is basically battling these two mindsets. One, Jimmy Stewart's character, uh, which is very law and order. It's you know, and he says after he gets beat up, I want to send send Liberty Valance to jail. Right. Um, so it's a very like justice court order system mindset, and then it's the rule of law. The rule of law, mm-hmm. and right. then it's um, John Wayne's character, which what was his name? Donahue. Yeah. Which wasn't that his name and. No, Mary, Marion. No, wasn't that his name in the the Quiet Man? Oh, I can't remember what his name is. In it maybe I, I don't remember because Donahue is an Irish name. I don't know. Anyway, um, so his character, who's a very 
you know, he's a Western cowboy and he says, you've got to, you've got to get you a gun and that's the way you're going to solve this. Um, so that's basically the two mindsets that are at, at war in this entire movie, mm-hmm. uh, which I, I, <laughs> yeah. I, maybe I'm jumping ahead, but I, I did find it a little comical that, uh, Jimmy Stewart's character basically betrays that at the very end. <laughs> I was like, oh, I thought he was going to like stay true, but he doesn't. Yeah. You, you mean because he conceals who? The- no, because he, well, because what you think he kills Liberty Valance. He just, right. you know, he shoots him. You find out that that exactly, you know, it wasn't exactly the you case. You mean you thought he was going to stay pacifist? Yeah. I thought he oh. was, I thought it, I thought it wasn't going to, change like were you rooting for him to stay pacifist no not necessarily (laughs) Uh, like because you know the justice side of you wants to see liberty valance Uh done in especially after he you know almost kills uh the reporter yeah but i i actually really thought it was going to come come to some resolution of both characters seeing a little bit of either side um maybe Hmm. with them actually capturing liberty valance and you know prosecuting him i i kind of thought that that's how it was going to end so i was yeah i was a little surprised when hmm. it ended the way it did no this yeah. movie you know it's funny when i think of this film i'm reminded of a, a, a sequence in a tv show uh it was not a tv show i guess anymore we're gonna have to change our our lingo on this because they're not really on tv it's just a streaming show it's on amazon but it's oh, okay. called the expanse oh yeah and there's a scene in the expanse like in the latest season where Episodic um, movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Donovan. Donovan. Oh, Donovan. Donovan, not Donovan. In which movie? In this in, movie. It's oh, Tom Donovan. Donovan. Is it Donahue in the other one? I think it's probably Donahue. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, I'll look, but it's Tom Donovan. Yeah, yeah. 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 But uh, there's a scene where the villain uh, in The Expanse, the particular season, he's confronting the hero, and the villain says, because um, they're on this like planet that's like a Wild West frontier yeah. planet that people are mining for its gold or whatever. And uh, the villain tells the hero, you know, uh, you, you're you early to this territory. It's people like me that make it what it is. Because I get here and I get my hands dirty, you know, clearing out the bad people. He's the people. Liberty Valance. Yeah, I get, I get rid of the bad people and I do the thing that needs to be done that looks bad and looks immoral, but really it's just necessary. Right. And then, and then when I get a post office, you come and once there's a post office. And he makes a comment mm. about that. Yeah. And when I heard that little speech, I thought of this movie. Because oh, this movie yeah. kind of deals with a similar idea, which is... Is it true? It poses a question. Is it true that before civilization can emerge, before the Jimmy Stewarts of the world can come onto the scene with their books and their rules and their persuasive abilities in a courtroom, does it really have to be cleaned up with the blood and bullets of a John Wayne? I think so. I think history would probably agree with that. Well, and it would seem that history does point to that. And that would yeah. and that's kind of the message of the movie. Right. And what's interesting to me is that in that scene in the expanse, the exact opposite message was conveyed. And the expanse is a very millennial sort of movie right. uh, show with very millennial type yeah. uh, leads. Um because what's presented there is you know, we need rules and civilization and moral superiority is what actually brings civilization and makes things better. Um, and to me, there's an interesting debate in that because on one level, uh, you look at the response in the film that Jimmy Stewart gains when they all think he killed him. Yeah. 
because here's Jimmy Stewart. He does something that's very bloody. Yeah, it's in self-defense, but it's this thing that kind of goes against his moral code, like you're saying, Luke. Yeah. But everyone celebrates yeah. him because he's the sort of person who wouldn't do that. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, and it betrays this strange thing in the human brain where when we see somebody do something that we think is kind of against their character. So we see a pacifist, you know, shoot somebody. Or we right. see a uh, a nonviolent person suddenly become violent. We excuse it in some sense because we know that it, quote, goes against their character. Mm-hmm. But if a passionate person <laughs> pulls the trigger, you know, a violent person pulls the trigger, then it's more suspect. Yeah. Even though the, the moral action in question is exactly it the same. It doesn't, yeah. It it's doesn't exactly the same. Yeah. Um, and so that that's actually a real interesting question the film poses, mm. I think, which is, I don't know, like in what ways do our minds kind of play tricks on us in thinking the same act is good or bad, depending on who, who does did it. it. Yeah. Well, yeah. Here's a, I, I think I agree, I agree. That is that is very interesting. But it's a deeper level. In a way, Rance is Rance Stoddard is Jimmy Stewart's character. Rance yeah. Stoddard's pacifism and lack of strength is the reason it came to that in the first place. Mm. Jimmy, uh, I mean uh, John Wayne's character doesn't take any of uh, Liberty Valance's crap. Right? He doesn't. He doesn't let him walk on. Liberty knows if he steps over the line. It's going to be blood. Yeah. One of them's going to die. And John Wayne is good enough. He knows that John Wayne's probably going to kill him. Yeah. And yet John Wayne doesn't because that would be murder. Yeah. In just cold blood. Like if he just, he doesn't just go out and he could have just any time gone out and knocked him off. But he wasn't violent that way. Yeah. He was a man of strength and a man of action. Mm-hmm. And the, the, paradigm or the paradox in the movie is that the rule of law without the man of strength is meaningless. Yeah. At the end of the day, the rule of law is only enforced by the bailiff, right? You, that, it doesn't I mean, matter if that's you're in, what it, lady justice is, you know, the sword in one hand and the scale in the other. Well, I know you have, but to have both. That's the story. Yeah. I mean, that is this story. Yeah. And, and so, yeah, we, we like to sell it. We, we like to think Rance is like the nice guy. Yeah. But, He's an incomplete person too. Yeah, right. He's one now, side of, of now. Right. John Wayne is also. They're both incomplete. They right. they complete yeah. each other in a sense. Which but because is what makes yeah. it because a good on story, the flip but. side of that, and I agree exactly with what you're saying. John Wayne's character allows Liberty Valance to do his stuff, right, and, and not oppose him as long as it's not know, we him. respect as long as we respect the line, right? Which right. Jimmy Stewart wants that to end. Jimmy Stewart wants justice. Right. Right. But he's ineffectual at achieving his own justice. He is. And see, and he he is coming in, I guess, questioning and, and complaining about the inaction of the populace, right? The fact that the people are not have, don't have the collective will to do mm-hmm. anything about it. To do something about yeah. the harm that somebody like Liberty Valance yeah. does. Mm-hmm. That's Rance Stoddard's problem. Yeah, uh, among them, someone like Tom Donovan, who is strong enough to do mm-hmm. something about it. But if it's not quote his fight, he doesn't. Mm-hmm. And so there's this very interesting 
I don't know. Just that, that conundrum well, and, is and, very and, interesting. And you could read the film subversively, too. Mm-hmm. Because you could say, you know, we never saw what would have happened if Jimmy Stewart had died that night. It could be that if Jimmy Stewart had died a martyr for Law & Order, that they would have triggered a change in the town. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, that does happen in real life. That yeah. good people die yeah. in their deaths. It's kind of the Batman Begins thing. Where, what, what was the line Liam Neeson says in that? It's like, your father's death <laughs> here oh. in Gotham, <laughs> you know, ignited just enough hope for oh, the yeah, city yeah, yeah. to continue to, to for another 20 years or, or something. Hobbling on. That's, yeah, that was his ridiculous, on. like, Rome burned. Yeah. London, rats <laughs> yeah. in London. That speech. Yeah. We sacked Rome. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, so, anyway, I think that's a very interesting social commentary piece you know because i mean it happened recently i mean it happens now i i remember i don't i don't remember the details but several weeks ago there was some old woman or somebody got mugged in the middle of broad daylight Mm. somebody attacks and nobody everybody's walking by they don't do anything yeah nobody stops to protect yeah and it it just points out that we're we're people that don't believe in much yeah or that there's this or that disconnect if you have in, the justice inside of yourself to want to intervene you probably won't intervene effectually right. which is actually something that our grandpa was very big right. about he right. would talk a lot about like if you ever find yourself in a gunfight here's the, you know here's the things you need to know kind of stuff which yeah because we we rely on the system yeah, yeah. And, and we don't have the practical knowledge. Right, and and I think it's so poignant. There's such a amazing poetry in John Ford's mm-hmm. movies. Um, you know, because basically it's revealed at the end that Jimmy Stewart did not shoot Liberty Valance, even though people thought he did, Yeah, that Tom Donovan actually shot him from behind the thing, that Tom Donovan knows, or, or uh, Jimmy Stewart knows this because Tom Donovan tells him because he's refusing to go campaign for Senate um, to go as a representative to make, is it Missouri or Kansas, whatever it is, make, yeah, for, the them to become a state, right. for them to become Do a state. Do they even say? I don't know if they did. They may not say, okay, yeah. but it's like right there in that Kansas line area. But for it to become a state, and he won't do it because he has such guilt over killing Liberty Valance, Tom Donovan comes and says, you didn't kill Liberty Valance, yeah. puppy, you know, I did, you know. Yeah. And, um, and also he goes and becomes a senator, becomes a wealthy man, and that's where we see him at the end of the movie. Right, yeah. Or at the beginning of the movie, is it before it flashes back. And then I love when he's on that train at the end, and, he, and the guy on the train, what does he give him? He, uh, he Oh, he was saying that they were going to like hold the train so we would get back to Washington yeah, quickly. Yeah, to get him there. Something, and, something and along that, that says, line. Oh, nothing's too good for the man who shot Liberty Valance as he's yeah. walking away. And you, and you realize that Jimmy Stewart's entire life yeah. was a built on this lie yeah. of yeah. him as a hero who tamed the West. Right, yeah. And really, the men who tamed the West were Tom Donovan. Yeah. And that is a fascinating thing. It's like deep, uh, deep cut Wooliver family history, really, <laughs> really on, our, on our grandpa's side. Like, our great granddad was in the land run of Oklahoma. Yeah. Like there was an interview we have of him when he was he was a boy with his dad, and his famous family quote is that I never killed a man that didn't need to die. (laughs) (laughs) Such a Western thing to say. I know, I know. But these guys were real, you know. And and I look at it like, okay, I hope he's in heaven. Yeah, Um, you know. But but 
there's a reality that we we live in such comfort of just safety and trust right of the goodness of people but when if we were if you were really in a dangerous place right yeah. or in, in a number of places in the world today yeah what would it actually take to be a good person who was a responsible person well right. and really that's, you know and situations like we see in the movie that's that's where you get the Hitlers of history mm-hmm. when, when nobody says, mm, this isn't good. Yeah. And right. does if, anything if about Liberty it. If Liberty Valance was a leader instead of a bully. Right. That is Hitler. That I is, mean, that you, is where you get those people right. in history. Yeah. Um, and again, yeah, it's that, it's that level of comfort mm-hmm. and trusting the people that are either in authority over you or, or a mm-hmm. part of the community. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I guess trusting not to be a cynic. I mean, yeah. You want to believe that everyone is, is good, and, but that's then, not true. And then you have you the know? other side of the coin. Not to be which, a cynic, but nobody's really good. Nobody's <laughs> <laughs> evil. <laughs> which, and the other side of the coin. And honestly, I think this argument doesn't get as much, um, I guess, attention as mm-hmm. it does, but it is the original Tom Donovan argument, which is, there's too much evil for me to go around with my gun trying to solve all the problems. Right. Right. Instead, we have to try to build like a safe sphere. And in a lot of places in the world, if you were just parachuted down into the middle of the, you know, chaos of that Mm -hmm. part of the world, that would make a lot of sense. Right. Like we're just going to try to maintain a status quo and build the, build this better world. One person at a time, one generation at a time. Right. Um, Instead of being an idealist like Jimmy mm-hmm. Stewart was, which mm-hmm. we're just going to end it, you know, now, today. Um, but again, it's a balance because you need both things. You need that idealism that can kind of look beyond what is, mm-hmm. but you need that practicality. Right. And I think that's probably my moral of the story is when you see this movie, you have to take from both men because the gun without the book is directionless you know the Mm -hmm. the book is what gives direction to power Uh um i actually love this little uh, factoid being an english major um that the word power is the same root word as the word potential right Mm -hmm. Uh, potentate yeah um potence and potential um the potential of something um or its potency uh, something that's potential is something th- that is unrealized. And power is the ability to take something that is potential and make it actual. Yeah. Mm. And that to me is what John Wayne kind of personifies in this movie is like in the scene where he's teaching Jimmy Stewart how to shoot and Jimmy Stewart just cannot shoot. It Jimmy Stewart, for all of his you know, yeah. good intentions, he lacks power. He lacks the ability to take something that's potential and right. make it actual. And John Wayne does have that ability. But on the flip side, John Wayne doesn't have the power to make, you know, Kansas a state. Right. Mm-hmm. He yeah. lacks that power. Yeah. Right. But Jimmy Stewart does have it. The organizing, like the organizing principle. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. And communicating. I I guess my moral of the story is, I, or my conclusion is that um, really what the film is showing us is the two parts of what should be 
a complete whole. Yeah. Mm. Which is chivalry. Yeah. Chivalry is where the man who has deep beliefs, deep loyalties, a deep commitment to law and honor also can kick tail and fight the bad guys and and enforce those things he, which he believes. Yeah. Captain America. <laughs> <laughs> Chris Evans. Mjolnir. Uh, <laughs> Alex was like, not what I was thinking. <laughs> not Marvel again. Oh my goodness. <laughs> oh man. Oh. Yeah. I, I wanted to laugh so much. <laughs> I saw a couple of the John Favreau like cooking. Oh yeah, one of those. Co- the oh, I love that show. show. He does. But he sat down with all these Mar like yeah. it was the, all the Marvel people yeah. around the table, uh-huh. and um, <laughs> I wanted to laugh. They asked the guy that was Spider Man. Um, so like, what was it like? I forget who it was asking him. But like, what was it like your first scene uh, acting across from Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> and I just thought like, um. What do you want him to say to that? Like, yeah. well, it's amazing to be in the presence of a legend. Uh, <laughs> Is that a more right? highly <laughs> actor than myself? <laughs> yeah. He's like, wait, how much are they paying you? Like, <laughs> <laughs> what is it like to be in the presence of one of the worst actors in current cinema? <laughs> oh man. Oh. Anyway, that's because I was because at the table, everything he says. Sounds just like Iron Man. Yeah, no, it's true. It's literally just yeah. him. Yeah. yeah. It's just him. Yeah. Yeah. And that was also astonishing and terrifying. <laughs> yeah. That's true. Yeah. Anyway. No, that's that's that's, that's Marvel, not okay. that's like that's like that's not even one of the greatest episodes of that show. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah, yeah. It, anyway. it gets way better. But, but uh, anyway. So. No, I, I think for my moral of the story, similar to your uh yours, Alex, just kind of seeing the need for both of those. Mm-hmm. Uh because really the town was not thriving. Mm-hmm. It, they couldn't achieve statehood and they were basically living in fear mm-hmm. of Liberty Valance. Um, and no one man could fix that. Mm-hmm. And in the end, it was a combination of both that yeah. the town was able to thrive because of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that's just, that's truth. You know, you have to have, you have to have the balance, you have to have justice, but you also have to have, um, well, I guess, justice uh, you have to have the balance the, the balance I, I don't know the different word what's the, the scales the of justice yeah the scales and the sword <laughs> yeah, I, yeah you know you have to have both yeah. uh you know i think to you know in the bible if you murdered someone of course you would die but it had to be with the you know two or more witnesses so like right. you had to have that that scale of no this is actually true he is actually guilty of this but then yes he has to die yeah, you know? right. So there's both, and, and uh, I think too I a, and, something and, that the movie reveals. Yeah, and I think this is just true. We have such high expectations of ourselves because we assume, you know, that we can fulfill all of those. Goals. Oh yeah, but the reality is, is that we all need each other. Exactly, because <laughs> the ability for one human being to really embody all of right. the virtues, and I think it's impossible. And I think if anything, time. you know, speaking to John Wayne's character, I think he did know that. Mm-hmm. You know, because there was even the moment where they all elected or nominated him to go be the representative. Mm-hmm. And he was like, no, I can't do that. That's that's yeah. not in my that's not in my ability to do. Yeah. But isn't um, that his failure, though? 
It could be. That yeah. was the identifying of his failure. Yeah. Because yeah. they both have a failure. Yeah, they did. Yeah. And to me, that is a failure. And, yeah. And because, like, again, and I, and this is not my episode about my granddad, but my granddad was a very educated man with what he had. He ran mm-hmm. for he ran for Senate, like mm-hmm. in the you know, he was younger in the seven like state like no like the U.S. Senate yeah. like in the state of Oklahoma, um, and but it was still all those other things. He still like led his community. It was a very strong person, right? And part of the goes down to personality, but I think everyone has their own version of what living that paradox means a kind of completeness for them you mean yeah like, it's, are it's you not the same for you it's not the same yeah. but but i think we all have a way of being a whole person and that we don't just have a piece of the puzzle i mean we we are a piece of the puzzle and that it's not that we are a island to ourselves, but Anyway, yeah, but I think you have like, to kind of discern what that means for you and what how you aspire to do that. But yeah, I aspire to do that. It's like I yeah. I don't think well, I'm I'm a yeah. I'll let somebody man, else so. be the gunman. And the root is shooting his cowboy the in the strong, wild west. The strong guys can be dumb. The smart <laughs> yeah, guys don't yeah. need to be strong. Yeah. You know, like right. to, or it's like oh, like Wobegon, where where all the women are beautiful. The women are or no, well he flips it around. The women are strong. The men are good looking, and all that. I forget what it is. But, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and I think too though, I think the movie shows both things that there's a reality that John Wayne should have had more idealism, mm-hmm, yeah. and Jimmy Stewart should have known how to shoot a gun. And shouldn't have been afraid. Mm-hmm. But John Wayne was never going to be an orator like Jimmy Stewart. And Jimmy Stewart was never going to be right. Right. A, a person like John Wayne. So I think it's like both things. It's like there is a complete version of each man and each of us. But, but there's also this functionality, like our role in the tapestry of God's providence Yeah, that only emerges over time. Yeah. And actually recognizing that is very freeing. Yeah. It is. Because accepting that it's not my job to solve that problem. Right. I was put on earth to do this. Right. Mm-hmm. And actually, there's there's like a great anecdote um, from extra biblical sources about Christ um, that is pretty pretty airtight, I think, from, from a traditional perspective. But it was that uh, the king of Edessa, who was this ancient uh, desert city, you know, near Judea, but in a neighboring country, sent... Uh, Jesus a letter asking him to come to Edessa and heal him of a disease that he had. And Jesus wrote him a letter back, um, sent him a message basically with, uh, and uh, and it was just a short, like three line message that's come down to us. And I'm paraphrasing it, but basically he said, um, I have a mission here in Israel that I can't leave, but after I've completed it, I will send one of my disciples to heal you. And I think it was Philip who hmm. went and healed Edessa. And Edessa is like one of the most ancient hmm. Christian cities in the world where there was a revival oh, wow. when he healed the king and preached huh. the gospel huh. real early on. But um, but it's kind of cool, you know, the idea right, right. Christ wrote a letter. Yeah. But, um, but that story, even Jesus, you know, he knew what his job was and his job yeah. did not right. include going to... Heal the king of the right. dead. So even though that needed to be done, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, um, that was yeah. someone else's job. Yeah, right. You know? but, well, I think it's interesting because, and I have a bonus question before we before we wrap up, um, because both men do exhibit 
their own kind of foolishness hmm. in the film. If you think about Jimmy Stewart's kind of blind idealism about, you know, his ability to like peacefully resist somebody like Liberty Valance. Um, and then John Wayne's kind of erratic, like when he goes and burns down the new part of his house that he's built that for the, the girl, yeah, you know, and the kind of irascible part of his nature, like they have different kinds of foolishness that mm. are part of their personalities. Um, but I think the thing that was really poignant about the story is that there's something poignant about the fact that he gave up, Tom Donovan gave up everything that he cared about hmm. in order to stop Liberty Valance. He gave up the girl, hmm. his hope of a family and a home with her, everything to save Rance. Yeah. Started. He saved the guy's life that was going to ruin his. Mm-hmm. And that is incredibly i mean that's incredibly deep i will say yeah. my wife pointed out that it's totally on tom donovan's shoulders that he didn't get the girl because he never told her that's true that's true <laughs> she's like <laughs> and i was it was so funny because we were watching it and i was like you know trying to analyze but don't you the, think that the, he the pacifist versus the warrior yeah. and she's yeah. like well it's totally his fault that she didn't get the he didn't get the girl i'm like what <laughs> she's like well he never told her and i'm like oh yeah but don't you think that the only reason he saved rants is that he had realized that the girl loved rants oh yeah. he said that okay yeah no he said that i, I, I didn't watch it he's because he asked why but, did you save my life he said because <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah some about you made you make her happy or yeah so he yeah made, he, he recognized that, that she really loved yeah. him so he yeah. out of his love for her oh no because she she ran and told him that right that they were about to have a, a right. shootout yeah, yeah, yeah. and that, that she was die. distraught yeah and yeah. so he knew that he had to had to go step in yeah, yeah. Uh, here's a here's an even deeper metaphysical question and we're, we're going long but do you think that it's possible for somebody to actually fall in love with somebody who they are not meant who spurns them and they're not meant to be with that person uh what do you mean well, like in the movie, you know, if you think, okay, so is Jim, so Jimmy Stewart is in love with the woman. Are you and asking the woman if we is in love in with Jimmy Stewart? <laughs> and it would and it would seem that the woman and John Wayne are just not meant to be together, right? Like they would not be happy being married. Like you can imagine them being married and them being unhappy, right? Because the woman's priorities are not John Wayne's priorities. And the woman's priorities and Jimmy Stewart's priorities conjoin, right? And they they make a great couple at the end of it all. So John Wayne's love for the woman, is it a genuine God-infused love that is destined to be fruitless? Or is it just something that he came up with? See, that's always the question I have. Because I don't know that I believe that somebody can genuinely, if you believe that God breathes love into two people who are meant to be together, then if someone's not meant to be with somebody, then the love that they feel for that person may not really be fully it may not i'm not saying it wouldn't have no it would have no value but is it's easy to really say if you're in a, a small if you're in a small kansas town with only love. one eligible lady your hand is a pretty bad one this is the only eligible girl in this town one of us is going down yeah. oh man 
Um, yeah. I don't know the answer to that question. I, I, I don't know. Do you? Be- I, I don't. Because on the flip side, I've heard people teach that really that I don't know. Do you believe that there's only? I mean, obviously, everybody that's married happily, like I am, wants to say there's only one person that I could possibly ever be with in the world. That is like my yeah. wife, you know, and I feel like we are destined to be together, and I do feel that way. Um, now, if my wife had died in a car accident, like before we got married, or something else had happened, yeah, I don't know. I've never even asked that question in a way of like trying to actually answer it. I mean, yeah, does that I, mean there's nobody else for me in the world? I or, think about this a lot, actually. Oh, really? Especially since being married, and I kind of go back and forth. But I, I don't know. I, I think I tend to lean towards the side of not believing in soulmates. Oh, really? Yeah. You think that it's just you d- made a decision? I think... A soul cages. Not... Not that God doesn't have, you know, a destiny for you. Uh-huh. And that you can... Not, not in that sense, but in the sense that the choice to love someone... Mm-hmm selflessly for as long as you possibly can until literally to be cliche <laughs> death do you part <laughs> no, I like, uh, as long as you possibly can I have loved you as long as I possibly can <laughs> it's like four years later <laughs> can't do it anymore no but you know what I mean like it, like life right um, right right to me that is that is such a such a Christ-like way to to live, mm-hmm. and and I don't know. I, I I'm not saying I absolutely don't believe in soulmates, but yeah, like uh, Alex is saying, you know, if something were to happen, this on me. <laughs> <laughs> Point looking at you, but you know, you and I don't think about this often, but you the the thought does cross in your head of God forbid if something were to happen, like would you ever be able to? to love someone else. And I've never really like gone down that road of thinking because Mm -hmm. that's just not the way I like to think. (laughs) (laughs) I don't like to think about, you know, futures. Oh, you know, my wife and I have talked about this actually. And she was always like, you know, if I ever passed, you have to remarry just for the sake of our kids. And I'm always like, no, like I just, (laughs) I won't get remarried. Like, but you say that, but like you also, I I don't know. I, I don't know for sure. I think everybody's different on that question. Like, and, and, and I don't think that there's necessarily a hard answer. I lean more toward the soulmate answer. Uh And I know it's, it may be, and it's not that it's a cliche, but I think just from my, from my own experience, I think at least with, with my wife and myself, there was just a sense that I always had like right from the very beginning Mm -hmm. that it was kind of meant to be, that it was intent, it was intended. Something was intended. Well, and I would agree with that. And I think that, and I think that, even comparing like what if scenarios, they're not really real. That's why I have a difficulty with the idea of like John Wayne pining with some genuine love for this woman yeah. long into old age or whatever that is just unrequited. Because at some point, I think the fact that she married the other guy just means almost definitively that he can't have a gen like maybe his love for her is genuine while it's still possible for them to be together. Yeah. But once it's not possible for them to be get be together, his love for her would have to almost necessarily change into something. I think you have to allow for the fact that love, what he has for her is not love, it's desire. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then it is desire 
that will never be fulfilled. Your love for the person can only happen once you can love them. Right. Well, I mean, in that, he did in have the, the element sense, that he in the marital he knew, sense. Mm-hmm. Well, when he knew, like, like in that moment in the film where he says, uh-huh. "You know, I saved you because I, I knew." There has to be an element of care and love for the person to be able to say, "You don't feel the same way about me. You feel it about someone else." So I'm going to. But just isn't step it a back. qualitatively different kind of love yeah. to say, "I will save the man you yeah, love," yeah, yeah, yeah. than "I am the man you love"? Yeah, those are two right. qualitatively yeah. different loves. Yeah, and so in my mind. Yes, he could have loved her mm-hmm. as a married couple. He never did. Therefore, the desire he felt to be that with her is gone. Yeah. Yet he maybe maybe he is not possible, not capable of loving anyone else. Yeah. Maybe no. Because one else. I don't think they, maybe they, he's not capable of being loved. Maybe well, and in the all film, those other things. I don't think they ever say. I don't think he ever married anyone else yeah they, they yeah and in the film i even yeah. if i you know it they kind of posture it and y'all correct me if you think that differently but in the film i think they postured a little bit like his life john wayne's life was kind of this uh pardon the word like bastard existence like it's like this it was it a never, stillbirth it was like a stillbirth his life never really got better it kind of disintegrated or went downhill after all the after everything happened, that yeah. happened and I guess in the film, they kind of play that up in a tragic sense. Right. Like his love for her and his decisions caused this, yeah. you know, dark existence after the fact. And that's where I kind of, I kind of reject that vision. And it's, it's actually don't you a vision, think that, it's a vision that's very popular in like gothic or oh, like but high I think, tragedy. And I, I just think, don't know that I believe I in think, that vision at I all. I think this story is, is John Forward. John Forward, John Ford <laughs> telling in some way the story of what he saw in World War II. Mm. You that know, it's be. a patent kind of a thing. It's that interesting. The men who made the world a livable place are the ones who die in tragedy, forgotten and alone, mm. and sacrificed everything for the ones who stand on their shoulders and live a happy life. Yeah. Now that reading, I could see. I think that's the story he was telling. Well, and that's the Frodo Baggins story. Yeah. Right? Uh-huh. Like, yeah. I can't go back to the Shire. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You know? yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So, it's a nice. Yeah. Uh, uh, we'll have to do another Lord of the Rings episode. episode. Yeah. yeah. I know there was a Tolkien maybe, quote I was going to bring maybe up earlier. We review Tolkien. Next. There's a Tolkien the quote moment for past. I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll we'll do a a, a three hour Lord of the Rings episode. We'll do we'll do. We a, should do everybody's rewatching. We should do a commentary track live stream. Oh. Would you watch him again for this? Oh, see it, people. I have not watched the movies since the theater. I saw them really? in the theater. Wow. And I Do you know that's almost 20 years old? I know. I was purifying my imagination back to my <laughs> nine-year-old self when I read Lord of the Rings. You know, actually, last time I read Lord of the Rings, this was a few years back, but when I reread it after kind of a hiatus from seeing the movies mm-hmm. and I detoxed, it was so much fun because I reinterpreted like all of my imagination because mm-hmm. Peter Jackson did such a good job 
of bringing a lot of my imagination yeah. to life yeah. that I had to say, okay, I need to like go the opposite direction. And so I have like a whole alternative imagination yeah. <laughs> of Lord of the Rings well, from the second time I read it's it. It's your Guillermo the, del Toro <laughs> it's a, yeah, version exactly. of Lord of the Rings. It was a lot more, uh, I don't know what, it was like folk, folk tale-ish. Yeah. Kind well, of, uh, listeners yeah. out there, if you want to see a, a live commentary of the Lord of the Rings trilogy, let us know because yeah. that, uh, that'll with We could film. do a YouTube oh live with the audio we could be all on headset with uh-huh. headset recording yeah. the audio. That would be a very uh, and apropos the, for a quarantine. And people can yeah, be like, yeah. three, two, one, play. And like it's synchronized, but then our mics are on and they're watching <laughs> us watch it when they're We'll have to figure watch, out how that works. Wow. I'm sure know. there's a way to do crazy. this. But let us know if you want to see that because uh, <laughs> yeah. that, that would be actually pretty fun. That would be pretty I fun. I probably yeah. wouldn't be able to stop talking throughout. <laughs> 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 uh, for everyone out there, I, I have been watching the Lord of the Rings trilogy since he was three years old. Well, yeah, basically, but every year at new year's, it's my new year's tradition. Probably since I watched them for the first time when I was like 10. See, so I, I've I, been watching them every year for about 10 years now. Now, did you read it before you watched yes, it? Yes, I did. Okay. At yeah. least. But you couldn't read by the time they actually came out. No, I read them before. No, I, I was, I mean, they came out 20 years ago, so I was three. Luke's a baby. Yeah. So <laughs> I was going to say, I had read them before the yeah. first movie came out, but you probably could not read I, when the first I movie came out. I read them, so. <laughs> I think I was nine when I read them yeah. for the first time, yeah, and cool. it was like yeah. 10 or 11 when I watched the movies for the yeah. first time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. So, um, yeah, I've I've been watching for a long time, so I, yeah. I've watched them multiple times with the director's commentary. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I keep waiting for a, like a special edition announcement. I they totally. do them every few years. Actually, they will probably do a big 20-year. I think they've got to do like well, a 20-year, we've updated the CG. That, uh, that is what I was just about to predict. I predict Lord of the Rings would be the first film that is where the CG is totally redone at some point in the future. I mean, they totally could. Yeah. Because just, it's all digital like re- anyway. It'll, yeah. it'll be the same thing, but it'll be, yeah. yeah. Except they'll try to like convert it to 3D and change it to 48 frames a second. Anyway. Okay. Our recommendation... Audible.com is our sponsor, and our recommendation this week is The Writers of the Purple Sage by Zane Gray, which is a great story about a woman, a man, and another man, and an evil cult that's trying to make the woman marry another man who's an evil cleric. Well, so it's a love quadrangle. (laughs) (laughs) Essentially, you can get that book for free on Audible with our sponsor. Uh, Visit the link in the show description. It's audibletrial.com forward slash moral of the story. You can get a free book and it helps support the show. That's right. Um, So make sure to do that. And share this podcast with your friends, families, and enemies. Uh, signing Signing off. The moral of the story with Alex Wolliver, Luke Taylor and Benjamin Wolliver. Please subscribe to The Moral of the Story on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, or wherever you listen. Visit moralofthestorypodcast.com. Copyright 2020 Moral of the Story Media.